1: And the best part? You can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's p-h-i-l-o tv slash p-o-p-p-o-d-s to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radioland. Dr. Eagle, thanks so much for joining us, July 2020. How are you guys? Hope you're getting through the summer, staying safe, uh, wearing your Talking Metal masks. If you don't have one, hit me up at mark at talking Metal at Yahoo. No, what is it? Mark at talking metal.com It's that simple. Hit me up there. I can send you out a Talking Metal mask, 18 bucks domestic. Um, probably you have to do like 22 international, but would love to get these out to you. High quality masks. So, would love to send you one. Um, definitely hit me up at mark at talkingmetal.com if you want one. Um, it's you can you know shoot me a PayPal. Payment for it, I'll explain all that to you in the email Cool, and let's do this, let's get into a great episode We got Gary from Maelstrom on the show with us They got a new record, of their first full length, finally out We're gonna hear all about that, but first let's hit some more music We heard little Sean Baker Orchestra getting us into the show Now we're gonna hit some some doom <clears throat> Some doom Yeah, now we're gonna hit some doom That's right, yeah, this is Clouds of Dementia by Candlemas Here on Talking Metal we we'll 2009 off the death magic doom record the 10th studio album by Candlemass of course the great Candlemass Swedish doom metal masters I would call them and let's keep the music going I used to be kind of friendly with these guys they were on our TV show when we had the TV show back on the Fuse network they were called Swashbuckle pirate metal Little thrashy pirate metal right here. Let's go back to this one. This has to go back. I don't know when this was. 2007, 2008. This is "Back to the Noose" by Swashbuckle Pirates, uh, via New Jersey, Ewing, New Jersey, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Let's get into the interview with Gary from Maelstrom. We'll start it off with a little uh, little music and ancient art sample, if you will, of that song from the new Maelstrom record. And then we'll hear from Gary from Maelstrom. checking in with us. It's been a while. Gary Voscanion from Maelstrom. How are you, Gary?
2: I'm great. How are you doing, Mark? Thanks for having yes. me. Tom, How
1: are you doing, guys? You bet. You bet. So your band is Maelstrom, and you guys are back with new music. The last time I spoke with you, we were in a bar in Midtown. I think it was 2008, and at that point, you had just released... New music for the first time in many many years, and here we yeah. are in 2020, twenty twenty, yeah. and you guys yep. finally have a full length released. So I want to I want to right. I want to start there. Let's let's talk about the the new album, and then we'll go back and trace some of the history. Can you tell us a little bit about the new album? The name of it, for example.
2: Absolutely, the uh, album is called. Of gods and men, and uh, I—we I, have to do a little bit of the history for me to tell you about the new album because the reality of it is, absolutely, is, uh, we're still we're still milking the same ten songs since nineteen eighty-eight,
1: man. So, yeah, because I was going to uh, say the even EP the, that came <laughs> out in two thousand eight. There's a lot of the how many of the same songs are on on the uh, the new all, album? All three. All three. All right. Three. Okay. But they're all they're all. Uh,
2: revisionist that kind of, kind of tracks. They're basically, they've all been tooled even a little bit further. Basically uh, we, Joey and I kind of tweak and, and to, retool and remove, you know, re- reassess uh, uh, have all of these songs multiple times at this point. Now we're finally at the point where, you know, we in our heads and in our hearts. They're at the point where we wanted them to be okay. and the vision that we had for them uh 32 years ago right it's and, been been—it's you know, been the now, vision's
1: been going fine. on for a long time right
2: <laughs> yeah but now now we're finally at the point where we can kind of say okay this is it this is really what we wanted and and not only are we we committing this to to their final uh you know to to to, to their final iteration but also you know out to the out to the universe as our uh as our, you know, vision of that creation that started all those decades ago. Okay, so that's, so yeah, that's so, where we're at.
1: So it, it, let's talk about the history then, and we'll then come kind of circle back to to the album of God and Men. The band. Gods. What's that? Plural gods. Oh, gods! I'm sorry. Of God, let me take it again. That's all right. Let's let's. Okay, so let's talk about the history then and then we'll circle back to the new album of gods and men. And this this is this is something that you mentioned has been going on for a long time. The band started and you guys did some demos. And the demos yes. became, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of hot commodities on the tape trading circuit. Back in the day, for any, most of my listeners, I think, know, but we used to trade tapes back and forth. We'd, we'd get bands that weren't signed, and you'd dub the tapes, and you'd send them to your friend across the country, or dub them for your friend next, you know, who you went to high school with, and, and stuff kind of spread that way. So the band's original, what, two demos, it did pretty well yeah. in that kind of underground circuit circuit correct
2: that's that's absolutely correct yeah so our first demo was cut in um 1989 we started in 19 late 1988 is when we officially uh started and uh by early mid 1989 we had our first demo out which really was you know a kind of untitled just uh, you know you could say it's just mouse from demo 89 kind of thing and um it uh, it did fairly well. It was pretty raw. It was um, definitely you know a, a kid's first attempt at, at getting into a into a multi track studio and, and making something happen. I think at the at the time I think we thought a lot more of it than than, the, than its reality. But it definitely got us um, you know it got it got us some recognition. It got us noticed, and it it definitely started to to circulate um then by uh, and 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 with that along with that we we were making a name for ourselves in a local underground scene you know playing the playing the places you know on Long Island like uh right. you know in Feb- Februarys which was a which was a you know if you're familiar with that at all it was sort of like Long Island's version of CBGB's where right. the metal bands sort I've of never been there but like I I heard years. of it Yep. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, a lot of bands played there and kind of cut their teeth there. Dream Theater, Twisted Sister, all sort of got their start over there. And um, and then you know, on the other, on the local scene, ourselves and Cold Steel, Crone, uh, and some of the other you know local bands that started to get you know noticed during uh, those years too. Also, like I said, we will cut our teeth at that place. Uh, and then uh, we wound up getting a very big local following over there there were nights where we were putting, you know, 200 plus in there. And then one, one night we played with cold steel and demolition hammer there and broke every record the place had ever seen. And, you know, we, it was a, it was a kind of place that, you know, max occupancy, legal occupancy, I think was somewhere around 74 or something like that. And You know, us demolition hammer and cold steel pushed almost 500 people in the place. So, you know, it was wow. a, it was a fire, mar- it was a fire marshal, uh, you know, uh, extravaganza <laughs> at that point in time. So, but I mean, you know what, it was, it was amazing, you know, the underground yeah. back then was, uh, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties was really, was really a great, you know, it was a great place to be. And it was, it was just a lot of action going on. It was a lot of fun. And then as we started to get bigger, you know, we started to get some opening gigs over at Sundance, which was a lot bigger a place. And, you know, we played with uh bands such as Watchtower, Atheist. Campbell mass, uh, you know, those, those guys. Right. And, um, the second tape by 91, when we pushed out the second tape, which is called this battle to make history at history, never comes that sort of got us, uh, I guess you could say sort of a cultish following in the underground. Uh, we, we, it, it circulated well. It, um, it got really known, uh, not just here, but also over in Europe and South America, it became kind of like you said, a hot commodity, and uh it was well produced and it it had really nice packaging and you know we did we sort of went the whole nine with that and we had done you know we 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 also had developed tremendously both as as musicians but also as as studio musicians and we were guided a lot by the guy who recorded it who is a guy named Greg Marchek and uh he helped us quite a bit with with the actual recording process and really we you know we, we it, it was a leaps and bounds better situation for us both as well as songwriting as musicians and as recording artists and production uh, and the production aspect so it really started to get us noticed we started charting in like metal force you remember metal forces magazine of course, they had yeah. like a, a reader's demo chart so we started charting in that um we were getting picked up on um the radio stations that played this kind of stuff overseas like portugal and Spain and some other parts of Europe were starting to play this pretty regularly on, on their radio stations, and um, it uh, you know it, it was it it was going really well for ourselves. If you recall, also back then there was a guy named Richard C from a company called Wild Rags Records, and he owned a uh, record company and a records store over in California. And uh, what had happened was he gave us some good advice and we had developed a really strong um, uh, mailing list. You know, we, you know, back then there was, it was real mailers, you know, we had to do real mailing and uh, we had developed a real strong uh, mailing list local. Uh, Cause we, you know, we put a lot of people in, in, in the local venues. Uh, so we had, and we had a strong mailing list that helped support that. So we traded our mailing list with Richard uh, along with his mailing list for the magazines. And he had, I don't know, whatever, maybe four, three, four, five hundred, whatever it was, fanzines. And uh, he kind of gave us the advice was, you know, what I want you guys to do is you send a letter to all of these fanzines. You say, OK, if you want a copy of the tape, write us back and we'll send you a copy of the tape and you review it. And, you know, we'll develop a relationship with correspondence and that kind of thing. It was like you know, he had given us that advice because he didn't want us to mail out whatever it was five hundred tapes. You know, just crazy. You know, when you're seventeen years old to try to do that with the the money that would be involved. You know, especially sending everything to right. over the overseas and you know, and, and back then you were dealing also with you were, you were even dealing with things like you know that that, that would seem extremely far into somebody now, but you know back then like kids in Portugal. Not Portugal. I mean, the kids in like Czechoslovakia, they weren't allowed to have this. You know, it right. was they could get yeah. arrested. They could get arrested for having our tapes. So, like literally arrested for having our demo tape. So it was the level of passion that existed back then was a totally different thing. It was, <laughs> it was, you know, you you didn't just download something off of Spotify or, or you know or, or a BitTorrent site and say, yeah, I heard the latest. Maelstrom song, you know, these and that, kids like died for this. Right. You know and mean? that's something, like, you know, I've,
1: I've, I've spoken about before that, that there's been a whole devalue in things. I mean, oh, even yeah. for me oh, as, as a kid in the eighties, I would get on my 10 speed bike and, and ride way out to this independent record store, like, Twelve yeah, miles from my house, you know, with my yep. paper out money, and I'd flip through yep. that import section <laughs> and the metal section. And I'd look and I'd, I'd and I and I'd invest in a record that I may have never heard, you know, an Agent yeah, Steel uh, record dude, or you know uh, something me like, like that. that. You and know, then I'd ride you, it home. Did the same thing. I'd ride it home on my uh, bike, you know, sweating <laughs> and almost getting hit by cars on my bike. And then I put it on. And I'd listen to it, and and that knowing how hard it was to get the record made me dive into it and experience it so much more, and, and to, you know, than than going exactly to Spotify and clicking on something and be like, oh, okay, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like there was so, and exactly. to hear you talk about. A uh, a uh, one a uh, a maelstrom tape ending up in a communist country, and you know it was literally. You're right; it was illegal to have something like that in those countries. Yeah. You know, and, and so it, it, know, and, it really made the fans quite passionate. It, absolutely, I mean, you know, and and that's you know the devaluation of music as a,
2: as a saleable commodity is something I've I've written about. It's something I've talked with people about, and, and you know what it is, man. I get it because. I talk to people now, you know, po- you know, anyone born, let's say, post, you know, certainly post Napster, but for the most part, let's say post internet, you know, they think that paying for media is fundamentally stupid, right. like literally stupid. They're like, why would you ever pay for that? You get it for free. Why do you pay for that? It's like, well, it cost me 50 grand over the past 10 years to cut this album you
1: know? Right.
2: I mean, you know? I mean, Absolutely. You know, and, you know, and maybe there's a level of stupidity to that, but, you know, I wanted to do it, and, and in order to do it right, and with all the heartache and hiccups and, and right. hurdles that we had to go through in order to get this done, yeah, it cost me about 50K to get <clears throat> this thing done, and now you're going to, you're going to rip it off a of BitTorrent site right and, and tell me, you know, and, and tell me, you know, well, that's, that's normal, and I get it, and it is I, to a certain degree, but, you know, I come from, I come from an era with, where you come from, man. We, you know, me and my buddy get on, get on our bikes and go to slip disc w- with our paper route money and, and rifle through 12 inches and, you know, have to decide like, all right, you know, you know, they were all 798 and not, you know, I want five, but I got three, you get the other two and we'll, you know, we'll listen to them together. And it became, and you said this word and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hammer on this word possibly throughout the, the, the remainder of this interview, but I'm going to hammer on it right now. It became Mark. It became experiential. Okay, it right. was not just background filler. It was not just the latest song that you threw on. It was not just something that you know c- c- came uh, you know it, it came in your head for 12 seconds and you just moved on again. It wasn't like that. You sat there and you took this in as an experience, the way one would go to a movie or reading a book that they were going to sit and, and eat, you know, 20 chapters at a clip of, you know, it, it wasn't, or the way somebody might binge watch, you know, an entire season of, of a show that they absolutely love, listening to a record was experiential. And that, As both an art form of creation and an art form of listening
1: to is
2: all but gone.
1: Right, right on. And
2: one of the reasons we wrote this record the way that we did was because of that fact. We wanted this to be an experience
1: absolutely and it is it sounds great again we're talking about the new album it's of gods and men and it is a great sounding record let's do this gary let's play a track off the record and then i want to come back and chat with you for another you know five to ten minutes uh before i before i let you go because i got a couple questions i want to hit on with you but what can we play for the talking metal listeners right now um well uh let's 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 assume someone hasn't heard uh our stuff before or if they've heard the EP
2: you know let's let's try and pick a track that uh might be a little bit a little
1: bit different um I don't know. Well, I know we let's played with, uh, we played a rise yep. back on the podcast in two thousand eight. I don't know if we still have right, any listeners right. left um, from it, that it, era. I mean, but. it's a little,
2: uh, it's a, you know, it, it, and a rise is a little bit retooled and a little bit different. Also, even now, but um, uh, let let's take something, uh, uh, let's take something a little bit uh, a little bit different. And let's go with Thief of Light.
1: You got it. Okay. And Gary, we'll, uh, I'll edit this together, obviously. And we'll get yeah, sure. a couple more yeah. questions, but I, yeah, I probably do need to wrap it up in about, you know, 10 minutes max. So, um, we'll just That's keep cool. that in mind. Dude, I was
2: I was just do, I was just doing one that, am I talking too much?
1: No, no, it's, it's fine. I just want to just, you know, if there's anything that you definitely want to hit upon, let's, mm-hmm. let's, uh, sure. we'll get it in. Yeah. Um, you,
2: I, I was, I was just on one, I, about, about, I, about two hours ago, I was on, I was on a call with, uh, a guy doing a video interview with me from germany and we went an hour and 20 minutes you know you you, you know you you're, you're you're trying to keep it under 12 this guy was 120 you know what I'm yeah saying? yeah <laughs>
1: so it, you know yeah. so
2: it's all over the place i guess
1: you know yeah right on okay all right maelstrom here on talking metal new music off the gods and men album it is out now we're talking with gary gary remind us who else is in the band with you
2: well really Mark, it's it's uh,
1: basically just Joey and I. Uh,
2: we had recruited a guy named Dave, so it's me it's myself, Gary Vascanian and Joey Lodes, who's the guitar player. He also played bass on this album. We recruited a guy named Daniel Kleffman, who cut drums for us, and another gentleman named Ed Marks, who did keyboards and uh, helped me with some um, uh, kind of tooling some vocal passages and things like that. He also recorded my vocals. Uh, and a gentleman named Rich Legy uh did all the uh mixing and mastering but basically Malstrom is really Joey
1: and I got it so you guys you do the demos then there's years of inactivity correct How, like uh, correct. but, but yes. you do you do come back like to it and there's there's life back with with the band but between the, at least the two of you, and you released this EP uh, in 2008, mm-hmm. which is the last time I interviewed you for the podcast. And yes. then at, at that point, um, what happens?
2: Uh, well, uh, basically, we released the EP. Joe, uh, during the recording of the EP session, Joey is... Um, accepted into medical school outside of the country. So once you get that call, you kind of have to go or you lose your spot. So, and that happened literally while we were recording drums on the, on the EP. So, so the EP, the EP was never an intention. Uh, The EP happened because of the fact that Joey was basically in school for another four years during the process. So we basically realized that the album was going to have to be shelved. There was no way we were going to cut all 10 tracks at that point. And, um, so during, during like times when he was off and back in the country, we cut the EP, um, during that, you know, after the EP came out during that time, you know, I had two children. He had two children. Um, he's got a third now, uh, you know, jobs were jobs were changed. Careers were changed. Jobs were lost. Uh, homes were lost due to Sandy, you know, right. uh, hurricanes. Um, you know, money was good. Money was bad. You know, just life. You know, life got in the way. Essentially, I mean, I. You know, th- there's a million and one excuses, but you know, fundamentally, there was just. Even when we had it done, it still wasn't the right time for us because you know we we didn't have the ability to to uh, uh, go with the with the the. The the PR people that we wanted to go with go with the radio people that we wanted to go with the social media people that we wanted to go with to produce the produce the merch, you know what I'm saying? Funds just weren't right. And then um, and I guess ultimately in the grand scheme of things, nothing's ever going to be perfect. But, um, you know, it got shelved once again. And then basically this uh, mark, this pandemic hit. And um, I was uh, I, I was home and I was being set up to work from home from my office. And uh, I called Joey up and I said, you know what, Joe, dude, this, um, this may be the one time in history that being a non-touring band is an advantage. Um, and, and the quick explanation to that is basically, Mark, all of the big names and all of the touring acts right now had to kind of park their stuff. Right. Because none of the labels want to push the album when they have, you know, when live nation and the other venues and the other venue holders can't, can't let them play, you know? So you got like lamb of God, who was supposed to hit at the same time that we're hitting right now, pushes their album back. You got dozens, dozens of of big names that, that basically, you know, in limbo essentially, because none of them can effectively tour. We really have zero intention of touring. And we looked at this and said, you know what? This is the one time in history where it might be a good thing that we don't that we're not touring. Right. And we literally have a captive audience. You know, unfortunately, because of all this, you got people that have been stuck in in, in their house for like at that point, probably yeah. eighty days. You know, people would probably jones in for something new, even though it's thirty years old. It's still new to a lot of people. And you know, personally speaking, even though it's thirty-two years old, I don't feel like it sounds like it's that dated. Right. Um, and uh, but when you, you know, say thirty years old, of, I
1: mean the, the these recordings aren't thirty years old. These songs are thirty no, years old. No,
2: the record, old. right? Exactly, but the writing is thirty years old.
1: Right. So let you me, know, and yep. Let me let me ask so you this. what that was it. Yeah, no, I hear you because like, like like even for for what I do, we've seen an uptick. I thought I thought like, oh wow, I, I wonder, you know, are people. Aren't going to be in their cars driving to work. No one's going to be listening to the podcast. Everyone's going to be dealing with stuff. But no, we, our numbers have gone way up for for talking metal during this. And even you know we're doing mm-hmm. a live video stream on Friday nights. And you know we had a, we had right. one thousand right. one hundred people tune into the live stream uh, two weeks ago. You know which is which is incredible. Fantastic. Congratulations. Uh, you know, thanks. Cool. Thanks. But yeah, so I I do think for for media in general, it's an interesting, strange time. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so my my question is these songs again 30 years we're talking uh have been a part of your life this has been to put out a full an official full-length album i mean this has been a long time coming for you guys how does it emotionally feel to finally put this out there to the world i mean it's it's got to be an emotional thing i would think
2: uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, it feels great. I finally did this thing that, then, you know, uh, look. Uh, the uh, the long and the short of it, uh, you know, I I I'm an artist. I've I've been in advertising and commercial art for thirty plus years. Um, I, I've been doing the band for thirty two years now, on and off. Uh, I, I write, uh, you know, and I I think that a lot of people that have that in them, have that creative side in them, um, you know, have a little bit more of, let's say an emotional aspect towards things. Maybe they hang on to things more. Maybe that, you know, my, me personally speaking, I know for myself, I've had, I've had a, uh, some, some trouble with, with follow through. So for me, this is finally a, a, a personal, a personal win and a little bit of a personal vindication in that I can say, yeah, you know what? I did it. I actually finished the damn thing. You know, I'll have great starts with things and then, you know, not such great follow through. But, but for me in that respect, you know, I, it's definitely a goal that I can tick off, uh, you know, on, on a checklist. Um, at the same time, uh, there's an aspect of the fact that the real work really starts now because yeah, we put the thing out, but you know, it, it if we want it to have legs and we want it to do something, you know, we got to nurture the baby. You know, you can't just, you can't just kind of leave it for itself and, and let it flounder. You gotta, you know, we, we, and that's a little, never didn't see the light. Of it done. It's because the way we wanted it
1: to. Okay. You're, you're cutting out there a little bit here. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, the connection's been great up until about 30 seconds ago, I'm not sure. All right, folks, we were having some technical problems with with Gary here, and we now have him back on the line. So, Gary, before you were breaking up, uh, I think we were talking about just the emotions that you you have releasing these songs, which you, in theory, have been working on for a good portion of your life, really. I mean, <laughs> is the, is it an emotional thing for you? Uh
2: yeah sure I mean uh, of course these these things uh you know I've been sitting on for 32 years right now at this point and you know different iterations uh of them have been you know created crafted scrapped reworked redone retooled and now they're finally out in there you know what the vision of what we uh, anticipated, you know, as the final as the final iteration of them. So yes, there's there's definitely a emotion attached to it. Uh, one one of those emotions is is just elation. I'm finally, you know, it's finally done and out, and you know, to to the satisfaction of Joey and I. So we're we're certainly happy about that. Um, there's uh, there's also the the the, the fact that a lot of the real work Mark starts kind of now, you know, like, like, although we've been working on these songs for so long and, and recorded some of them several times over, you know, now it's the matter of actually promoting them, getting them out to the world and, you know, and getting them heard and doing the interviews and, you know, what I'm doing right now, basically. And and that kind of thing. So there's also, you know, there, there's, there's still a lot of work ahead, but uh, certainly the, the emotion of being extremely happy that they're out and also just that I can kind of, check that off of the, of the life goals is, is a big right. deal because, yeah. you know, certainly something I wanted to finish in my life.
1: Absolutely. And another thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, since you guys have been doing this, which has been obviously a, a long time, 30, 30 years, right? 30, over 30 years. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of bands since, you know, let's say in the last 15 years that are coming up with these similar themes, you know, that you guys kind of had this battle uh, themes and now there's Viking metal and, you know, this type of stuff like that. In some ways, I feel like you guys were kind of doing that before anybody else. Uh, Thoughts on that?
2: Well, um, I mean, you you know, you you had uh, had bands like Omen, you had bands, of course, like Man of War. You know, I mean, I think I think a lot of that's, sword true. And sorcery that's true kind of things were, you know, we're, we're we're always there to a certain degree, part and parcel with 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 aspects of metal. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I think the Viking metal movement is is sort of its own kind of its own thing. I certainly, you know, wouldn't want to take any level of credit for, for something that's certainly not part of my culture. But I think that, um, you know, we always keyed on even when even when i was always very fantasy oriented my my influences came from primarily from my mother who was a huge you know tolkien head and i played dungeons and dragons when i was in you know like before i was 10 and that kind of thing and i was always into that sort of stuff um and so writing fantasy-esque kind of things was always part of something I was interested in and, 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 into doing. Um, so I'm, I'm at my parents' house right now and, and, uh, I'm actually kind of ripping apart a lot of the house basically to kind of, kind okay. of clean things out because both of them wound up with COVID-19 pneumonia and we're in the hospital. And when they come back, I gotta oh, have, man. you know, I'm trying to make the place right. as kind of streamlined as possible. So okay. I'm going through all of these old things and I actually found an old Polaroid from when I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. And the shot is, is of me in, in, in a toga and, you know, I'm, I'm nine at this point basically. And, and I'm holding a golden lightning bolt and I have like laced golden sandals and I'm in a toga with bare chest and, you know, and, and a, a a golden leaf, like, you know, thing around my head, you know, I'm basically, I, I think it was for a Greek gods report. And, you know, I was doing like the, the sons of Kronos, if I remember correctly, Poseidon, Zeus, and, you know, uh, um, Hades. And, um, <laughs> right. you know, so I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay, I guess there was never any question as to what the cover of my album would wind up being, you know? So I guess yeah. it was always kind of in me to do that sort of thing, you
1: know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and now that, that these songs are finally out there in, in a full album format, of course the album again of gods and men by Maelstrom. Um, is there thoughts of doing new music or is this kind of, you, you got here, you're, you're finally getting this full length album out. You know, we're not even thinking about the future or, or are you, or is there new music down the road?
2: Well, um, I, I mean, look, I, I you know, I'm not going to say that it's one and done, but it, you know, it certainly could be, it might, you know, it might be, I'm, I'm 49. So maybe this is it. I'm just glad that I can check this one off. Um, uh, the um Uh, Well, you're young compared
1: to a lot of these guys. I mean, there's guys out there in their 70s. You know,
2: know, a lot of those guys also have 25 albums under their belt already, you know, at this point. True, true. One, you know, I don't have 25 songs. So but um, the uh, the the aspect of of doing anything else right at this moment new is not really where we're where our heads are at because like i was saying just a little while ago the work really kind of starts now in in terms of all the back end stuff the behind the scenes kinds of things the things that the things that that people don't go into a band thinking they're gonna have to do but you know is really important you know um everything that has to do with not writing the songs and recording the music has to get done now and we're we're not a labeled band we don't have a label backing. We have a lot of people in our, you know, in our mastermind unit. You know, we have a lot of really great people who the labels use themselves, and and I've had, I've had a lot of support and help from from I'll say guys like Al Dawson from from Earache Records. He's the manager of the of the U.S. version of Earache. Huge help. Uh, guys like Dennis Clapp, who is the guy who started Spitfire Records. You know, these are guys that have helped us and advised us and kind of nurtured us along the way. And although we never signed with their label, their respective labels, they've they've given us a tremendous amount of advice throughout the you know throughout the years, and they've been really really helpful to us in us acquiring people like Munzee from Skateboard Marketing to do radio, people like John Freeman to help us with PR, uh, um, the the um, the guys that I have working on the social media end, you know they they uh, uh, Matt from Dropout on the social media end, you know th- these are all contacts that we've gotten through the guys that have helped us from the labels and stuff, you know? So, you know, right now, like I said, a lot of the real work starts really in that respect right now to get this thing out to the world. Um, it, it, uh, our old bass player, John Modell, who also plays in the, in the band car bomb. Um, he just found, um, all the recorded, all the songs we ever wrote after the second demo and you know their basement recordings basically practice sessions but right they're there and they're recorded and now we have them so wow, you, you okay. know so so i mean all the material that we we wrote you know so, so if we ever do decide to do something else we we have a good six you know good six solid starts uh, you know and ideas. they would still and they would still be 30 years old
1: <laughs> right right there yeah. you
2: go you know short of that i i i've always wanted to do a couple of um you know, maybe like an EP of a few covers that are sort of left of center kind of things. Like, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I like covers from metal bands that are things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect from a metal band. Like I, I, I really enjoyed the, um, uh, the one from disturbed, you know, the, the Neil's the, um, uh, what was that? Um, sound of silence. I really, you know, oh, I really okay. enjoyed what they did with that. Uh, how to, uh, you know, and I've, we used to do a, a cover of Billy Joel's Pressure. So I, I could see us maybe doing something like that if we were to do something in the short term uh, in the studio again. But uh, on the long term, you know, like I said, we found these, uh, we found these other tracks. We'll, we'll see where it goes.
1: So there know? could be more. There could be more. There could be more. Maelstrom. Yeah. Gary, it's always great talking with you. And it's, I know it's been a while, but uh, let's, let's uh, reconnect before another 12 years go by.
2: Yes, please, absolutely.
1: Where's the Thank best so place much. people can reach you online? Is there a social media page? I know there's a Facebook page, right?
2: Yes, well, there's absolutely a Facebook page and that's Metal Maelstrom Facebook uh, you know, Metal Maelstrom. Um, Bandcamp is uh, Metal Maelstrom, Bandcamp at Metal Maelstrom. Um, Twitter also Metal Maelstrom. Um, online, it's just Malelstrom online is our main uh, is our main website, our, our, our you know, home home website and uh you know uh, we're on instagram you know basically you know we're, we're relatively easy to find although there is other <laughs> there is unfortunately plenty of other bands named maelstrom but, right, uh, right we usually use the the handle metal maelstrom
1: all right cool well, we'll link some of those through the show notes on talkingrock.net and talkingmetal.com and uh, yeah great great speaking with you gary i love hearing the stories and i'm psyched that these songs are finally seeing a full album release. We encourage everyone. Yeah. We encourage everyone to go check them out on Spotify or Amazon music or Apple music. They're just about everywhere, right? Yes, they are on all three of those. Okay. Awesome. Oh yeah. Gary. And before, before I let you go, just, I I hope everything goes all right with your parents. I'm so sorry that uh, they fell ill with this, uh, this disease or illness or whatever you want to call it. Are they doing okay?
2: Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. You know, they—they're um, both now out of the hospital and into rehab. So hopefully, uh, prayers said and fingers crossed, they'll—they'll—they'll they'll, they'll come out of it okay. Thank you.
1: Good, good. Yeah, some technical issues there on the uh, on the interview, so I had to kind of piece it together from a few different uh, things. I think we were on a cell phone first, and then he called me back the next day on a, on a landline. So we made it nice. We edited it all together. I I thought at one point he was telling me during the interview what song to play, but I couldn't find that. And maybe that was in part of the interview that I had to edit out because the quality was so bad. I don't really know. But hopefully I'm playing the right songs. This is a song I love. This is Arise by Maelstrom. right there we're going to leave it we're going to cut it we're going to stop this uh, nonsense the talking metal podcast and we will be back real soon this is overthrow by forbidden to take us out